Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Darkcast Network, where the light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fruit Loops, episode 157. Bienvenidos, bitches, and buiti binafi. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crime committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cis, het, white dudes. What? No, no, no. What? I'm telling you, <laughs> there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment kind of leave out because, wait a minute, what? I'm not going to believe this. My notes say the news is racist. What? Allegedly. <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white. It's not her fault, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and today we also have Minnie. Hello. She is also a white lady, and she's my sister. Yep. I am. All my whole life. Not her fault either. Yeah, not her fault. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not my fault. I'm her sister. Yeah, nobody's fault. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that's you. Oh, I know. Uh, shots fired. <laughs> anyway, we're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a triple of gals. A triplet of gals. A triple of gals yeah. interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602 935 
Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) And we may feature it on a future episode. (laughs) Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a Fruit Loops patron. You can also support the show by supporting our sponsors. Yeah. Anyway, who are we talking about today, Beth? Well, this is part two of our story about Heriberto Seda, a.k.a. the New York Zodiac. So if you haven't... (laughs) (laughs) So if you haven't listened to episode one yet and you want to figure out what the hell Wendy's doing, (laughs) go on back and listen to episode one and we'll meet you right back here. (laughs) All right. Well, before we get into it, how you doing? I'm still wiped out from CrimeCon. <laughs> oh, yes. Talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. It was a blessing, but it was we, a lot. Yeah, it was. We were so busy. And I think I ate a lot of crap, too. So <laughs> <laughs> oh. Me, too. <laughs> My Dang body's girl. just like <laughs> mad at what me. What the hell? <laughs> what did you do to Lady, me? why? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Minnie? How are you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was exhausting, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, in the best possible way. Um, yeah. it, it, it was nonstop. It was a whirlwind, but it was, yeah. it was really, really good. Um, but it's nice to be back home. Uh, I, I did miss uh, my husband, Antonio. Oh. Um, yesterday <laughs> we went to, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Got the Latin flavor over here. <laughs> so yesterday we went to his parents for Mother's Day. Um, and uh, as we were driving there, Antonio said, uh, well, I was trying to tell you about this when we were in Vegas, uh, how he right, says these right. hilarious things when he gets cut <laughs> off. So, of course, someone cut him off as he was driving and he called him an ass clown. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love that one. He's like, fucking ass clowns. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a made up term that I think means like part jackass, part clown. (laughs) Like you joker, you clown, but you're also a jackass. So I'm so here for this one. Yeah, I I could not stop laughing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I kind of missed his little phrases when I was when I was in Vegas. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> fun, fun to be back in that again. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's good to be home. Feels good to be home. CrimeCon was a blast. Um, it was awesome meeting all the fans, making new friends, and of course, our live show was pretty damn lit. So. Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. All right. Well, now let's get into some listener letters. Well, hello, angels. <sighs> Yeah. Well, what's in that bag, Beth? Well, I wanted to say thank you to Jordan for your five-star review. Yay! She found us at CrimeCon and caught our live taping. Mm -hmm. So she did a review. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to say thank you to Allie, Lindsay, Zuska, and Milton for your emails. Absolutely. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Okie doke. So just a reminder, we are leaving Podbean. So Patreon is where it's at if you want access to bonus episodes and ad-free content from Beth, Wendy, and a mini. <laughs> uh, now, we got some new Patreons. Uh, <laughs> Ashley R. Tanisha says, that's a.k.a. Milk of Magnesia. 
Leona W, Zuska, uh, Alicia LG, Patricia M, Love Paper Paint, aka Kate from CrimeCon. Oh man, she was yeah. awesome. Yeah, we love Kate. Hip hop air horns to all of you. I'm gonna do it now because I am a forgetful bitch. <laughs> Okay, so this is in honor of Jewel, the first lady of Death Row, who died this week. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, Ashley, yeah, yeah, Tanisha is in the house, yeah, Leona, Compton, Death Row is in the hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I messed it up, but I'm sorry. Uh, I hope you liked it. <laughs> okay, this is another Death Row contribution because, again, the first lady at Death Row passed away. Um, this is for Elise LG. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, apologies. All right, la da 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 da. It's the motherfucking Alice LG, a patron. <laughs> okay. And um, this one is for Love Paper Paint, who insisted on a 90s R&B tune. And this is for you. You will always be a fruity. And we are part of you indefinitely. Kate, don't you know we gotta thank you? Oh, darling, because you'll always be a Vegas. <laughs> Messing up a little bit. Anyway, I'm uh, doing my best here. There's so many Patreons. The blessings, the blessings come in. The blessings come in, but it's hard for me to keep up. So anyway, here's another one for Zuska. I had a vision, Zuska. And it was more that you'd given to me. That's it. And uh, <laughs> Patricia, Patricia, I want to love you, Patricia. That's it. <laughs> uh, the end. The end. <laughs> yeah. All right. So also, Minnie makes me very nervous. I think that's part of it. Why? <laughs> what? Um, I don't Why? know. I feel very shy. Um. Anyway, hip hop air horns. <laughs> oh, you should not. I'm dumb. <laughs> I love your song. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the story when we come back. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to the Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts, or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you. Would you call me? Would you care 
about how I got them back. Download American Vigilante now. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, and overeating. Okay, so the copy here says to talk about my experience with stress. Oh boy, <laughs> do you have an hour? Uh, where do I begin? <laughs> Work, bills, life, family. I could go podcast. on for a very, yeah, <laughs> podcast, a very long time. And I actually do that in therapy, which is so helpful for me so I can manage, deal, and get through it. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less, and grind all the time. Here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash fruit. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit. All right, guys, it's it's time for me to come clean. It's okay. it's time for me to tell the truth. Right. It's time for me to spill the beans. Okay. It's time <laughs> to fess up. It's time to keep it a buck. Keep it 100. Are you going to get to it? Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So sometimes after dark, I sneak away and play Best Fiends. Others may wonder about my mysterious disappearances. They say, who does she think she is? David Blaine? David Copperfield? I say none of the above. In fact, I'm having so much fun playing Best Fiends. Ever heard? of it? Why, yes, I have. <laughs> I love Best Fiends. I love collecting the little monsters when you play so I can level up my fiends. Also, I love going in for the super long matches to free up the board and beat levels. Ooh. I am happy to report that I am on level 440. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, friend, I see you flexing over there. <laughs> now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting new levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. I am on level 304. Beth, tell them about the offline play. Yes, of course. <laughs> there <laughs> is offline play, so you don't even need Wi-Fi or the internet. Oh, good. So download your new favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. So, uh, <laughs> we are back. Uh, and, uh, Maybe we should recap for the folks what, what yeah, has happened. Let's what do you do say? It. Okay, hit it. So in part one, we covered some of the history of New York and Eriberto Seda's early life. Eddie's father was not around when he was growing up, so he really didn't know his father. But his mother doted on him and bragged about how talented and smart he was. As a child, Eddie spent time alone and withdrew into his own world in his head. He dropped out of high school at the age of 16. As he grew into adulthood, he spent more and more time by himself and never sought gainful employment. Neighbors described him as as odd. Said he sent a letter to the police identifying himself as the, the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I heard Zodiac and I, I tuned out. I fell asleep. Uh, but uh, 
whoops, but uh, police disregarded the letter because they couldn't find any crimes to match to it and assumed it was just some weirdo looking for attention. A few months later, Seda shot 49-year-old Mario Orozco, a Scorpio, with a homemade gun. Mario survived. 21 days later, Seda shot 33-year-old Jermaine Montanestro, a Gemini. Jermaine also survived. 63 days later, uh, which is a multiple of 21, Seda shot 78-year-old Joe Proci. Joe at first survived, but died three weeks later. Seda left a note near Joe, again identifying himself as the Zodiac. He also mailed identical handwritten letters to the New York Post and the CBS news program 60 Minutes. God damn it, I just killed a fly landed right in my teeth. <laughs> in your teeth? Wait, did you? No, my oh, in teeth. your teeth. I was like, did she catch a fly in her teeth? Because that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> be like, <laughs> is that? Not even. Awesome. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. I guess, I guess she'll, she'll die. die. <laughs> Okay, so police studied the letters for two weeks before going public with the announcement that their correspondent, then known as Zodiac or Faust, was wanted in connection with three unsolved shootings. And that's where we left off last week. All right. So now it's time to get into the timeline. Continued. What do we got, Beth? Well, another 21 days after Joe's shooting, early in the morning of June 21st, 1990, Larry Parham, a man who had been living in Central Park, was sleeping on a bench in the park when he awoke to a pain in his chest. He didn't immediately know what had happened, but he saw a man walking away from him. Another man who had been asleep behind the nearby band shell and was awakened by the sound of a gunshot found Larry and called the police from a call box in the park. Larry had been shot in the chest while he was asleep. The bullet missed his aorta and exited his body through his right armpit, so he survived the attack. Mm. And I just wanted to interject here that we did have a question during the live taping at CrimeCon about doing in-depth research. And I'm right. not the greatest at off-the-cuff responses to questions. Plus, I was trying to be respectful of the time time limit that we had, so I didn't want to go on too much. Right. But mm -hmm. I uh, just kind of uh, have been thinking about it since then. And I just wanted to mention that when I do the research, I not only do research by the name of the subject, but also by the names of the victims, um, because you can usually right. find a lot of information by focusing on the victims' names uh, while doing the research, which is as it should mm -hmm. be since really the victims yeah. need the focus. Um, and then I, right, I also totally. search on sites like Ancestry.com to see if I can find more documents to verify ages, relatives things like that. And I try to look at as many sources quoted by other sources as possible. So sometimes there's a source of a source of a source of a source. And sometimes, right, I mean, right. you can really go down the, the rabbit hole that way. But um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how you can can verify a lot of the information that we look at. So anyway, I just want to add that on. Okay, thank cool. you. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, keep doing what you're doing. You're really oh, great at this. this. Uh, <laughs> I try. <laughs> so when uh, interviewed by the police later, Larry told them that a stranger had asked him about his astrological sign a few days before the shooting. Another note with Larry's astrological sign was found in Larry's shoe next to the bench. On that note, police discovered a single fingerprint. At this point, investigators began to focus more on connecting this Zodiac killer to other crimes, noting that he seemed to choose vulnerable men as his targets. Joseph and Mario both walked with a cane. Jermaine was likely inebriated when he was attacked, as he had been walking home from a party. Larry had nowhere else to live, so was sleeping on a bench in the park. 
The detective sifted through library records to look for withdrawals on books on astrology, and they also consulted astrologers and began to warn the public not to disclose their birth dates to strangers and to contact police if they had been asked about their birth dates by strangers or if they had any other pertinent information to share, which is still good advice, by the way, not to disclose your birth date to a stranger, whether in person or Mm. on the internet. But then you get less presents. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. Just> kidding. <laughs> I'm I'm always you know kind of wary of those quizzes that that want you to like oh find a GIF that that All relates to your birthday or something. I'm like, they're yeah. gonna know what my mm-hmm. birthday is if I do that. So yeah, I'm always wary of those things as well. I, I don't do very many of those quizzes on on Facebook and stuff like that. I, yeah, yeah, I used to. I didn't know what what they were yeah. up to, but now yeah, I know those sneaky sneaks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I. I need to know what Disney princess I, I am. I think you know. <laughs> Wait, which one are you? All of them. I'm, I'm, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, remember we were looking at that uh, website in, in Las Vegas? I forget what it was called. Oh, Rejected Princesses. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> what? So I think I'm a Rejected, a rejected Princess. princess. Oh, a princess reject? <laughs> well, it's a website that somebody made. They make suggestions of princesses, but they're oh. all like crazy suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of um, Disney princesses, I always have to interject here when we, we bring up Disney princesses. The only black princess uh-huh. yeah. is Tiana, mm-hmm. and right. she's the only princess with a motherfucking right. job. I'm just going to say that and leave it there. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Jeez. Where are we? So anyway, <laughs> yeah. Huge tangent. Oh, sorry. Birth dates. You know, not giving them to strangers. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah so you, you just don't want to okay. make it that much easier for identity theft criminals. Plus, you know, serial killers obsessed with religion and astrology. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the three previous shootings had taken place in an eight-block square area in the East New York section of Brooklyn and near by Woodhaven. So the efforts of the detectives to find a pattern in the crimes were confused by Larry's shooting in Central Park. Based on descriptions given by Joe and Larry, the police began to search for a black male between the ages of 30 and 35, between 5 feet 10 and a half inches, 10 and a half, what is Just keep it at 5 foot wow. 10 and 6 feet tall. <laughs> And weighing about 180 pounds. He was said to have a mustache and a beard at the time. And uh, that doesn't look anything Mm-mm. like Seda. <laughs> nope. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But it sure, it sure would have given the police a lot of a lot of um, reason to unnecessarily harass, harass black, um, black yeah. males who fit that description. Which could be a lot yeah. of them, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so because of the line in the initial letter that read, quote, Orion is the one that can stop Zodiac and the Seven Sister, unquote. Ooh. Creepy, right? The police reportedly began <laughs> comparing the pattern of the stars in the constellation Orion, which is also called the Hunter, to the sites oh. of the shootings in an effort to predict where the next attack would be. It's just so funny to me because in the end we learned that this is all random <laughs> and the <laughs> efforts there, go, like getting astrological books from the library. I yeah. Mean, that's they a, were grasping. That's, that's yeah. good police work. You don't yeah, see that. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they were trying. They were really, they were really, really trying. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. And I don't say that often. So anyway, the most prominent feature of the Orion constellation is his belt of three evenly spaced stars. The first three shootings were in spots more or less in a straight line along the Brooklyn Queens border. The fourth was far away in Central Park, roughly where the star representing Orion's head could be in such a comparison. By then, they had also noted the 21 day pattern with attacks always happening on a Thursday. So they were expecting another potential attack on July 12th of that year, but it did not happen. They Mm. then went on high alert for subsequent three-week intervals, but again, nothing. Then Mm. on August 29th, a little over two months after Larry was shot, with no new evidence and no attacks, the Zodiac Task Force was cut from 50 detectives down to 19. The New York Zodiac went quiet for over two years. Wow. Yeah, that was a lot of, that's a lot of downtime. Yeah. Some have speculated that this was because a fingerprint had been found on the letter near Larry Parham, information which was published in the media. But then on August 10th, 1992, Seda struck again. That's what, This is one of those cooling off periods that they talk mm-hmm. about serial killers yeah, having. Yeah, but that's a that's really a, big yeah. cooling off mm-hmm. period. So this time, he completely broke his pattern by attacking on a Monday and attacking a woman. The victim was Patricia Fonte, a Leo, and a 39-year-old outpatient of a local psychiatric hospital who suffered from clinical depression. A friend of hers says she was a lovely woman who would sometimes seek treatment at North Central Bronx Hospital. Patricia was shot and then stabbed over 100 times near a reservoir in Highland Park, Queens. Her death attracted little media attention. Mm. Holy crap. How many times does one person have to be stabbed for it to get attention? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This was some serious overkill. The Mm -hmm. killing wasn't linked to the Zodiac at the time, as it was so different from his previous attacks. And it's interesting. I heard an interview with Heriberto talking about this particular crime. Uh He was like, I don't think I stabbed her that many times. Somebody else was to come after me. Oh, yeah, obviously. Oh, sure. right. yeah, that yeah. Yeah. yeah, That happens all the time. <laughs> Listen, I left this body over here. I stabbed it once, okay? The okay. other 99, yeah. that was somebody else. I, that I wasn't mean, obviously. Cute shaggy song. It yeah. wasn't me. Sock hanging on the counter. It wasn't me. Stop <laughs> stabbing in the shoulder. Wasn't me. me. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that particular one, it, all the other ones were shot. Like when you stab mm-hmm. somebody that many times, that's like rage, you know, that level yeah. of overkill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at this point also, he had shot numerous mm-hmm. people and they didn't all yeah. die. So he was like failing. And maybe this was a like, I'm going to make sure it works. This I time. don't know. I think it's yeah, this because was also it was a, a woman, woman, though. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good point, ladies. Old yeah. true crime comes through every time. <laughs> Shouldn't be out that late. I'm going to stab you <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> dirty, dirty lady. Yep. I'm going to stab you yep. now. Mm, Crazy. mm, mm, mm. Anyway, about a year later, on June 4th, 1993, James Weber, age 40 and a Libra, was shot in the leg while he was walking at Vermont and Cypress Avenues near Highland Park. Seda was no longer going with the pattern of killing on Thursdays and in 21-day intervals. Seems like he knew the police were aware of that pattern, so he was changing it up so as not to get caught. On July 20th, 1993, he crept on on John Diaconi, age 47, a Virgo, who was experiencing homelessness and who, like Patricia, was struggling with mental illness. He had been a resident of Pilgrim Psychiatric Center in Suffolk County, but had run away from the center 12 days prior. Seda shot him in the neck at close range in almost the same exact location in Highland Park where James Weber had been attacked. John unfortunately did not survive. 
On October 2nd, 1993, Seda shot Diane Ballard, a 40-year-old Taurus, and left her partially paralyzed. She had been shot in the neck and wounded while on a park bench in Highland Park near Jamaica Avenue in Brooklyn. The bullet missed vital arteries but stayed lodged against her spine. And uh, this is not the kind of souvenir that anyone wants. No, yeah, that's um, a devastating injury to have to live with mm-hmm. for the rest yeah. of your life. And yeah. this and it, because of yep. somebody else. Right. Yeah. In March of 1994, Seda was arrested for possession of a deadly weapon after police noticed a suspicious bulge in his jacket pocket that concealed one of his zip guns. He was not happy to see them. He was fingerprinted. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like, nah, I'm going to sneak that, that in there and see if they notice. That in there. They noticed. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he was fingerprinted and the gun was examined. Oh. Sorry. Police. I can't help it. Oh. Whoa. Dude. <laughs> So uh, police determined that the weapon was not functional and said this public defender got all charges dropped and his arrest record sealed, along with the fingerprints that had been collected from him. Seda interpreted his turn of events as an omen, proving that he was beyond all consequences. Why do these guys always think this? (laughs) I I got away with it. That That means I'm invincible, invisible, whatever it is. Something. (laughs) Whatever it is. That's me. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, And now each week, I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and Slow Burn Media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. Get ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance. That's right. It's June's Journey, and you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test, sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects, and claim rewards. The visuals are fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. (laughs) 
<laughs> As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and romance in full force. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. So now we're going to get into the investigation and the arrest. What do you got, Beth? It was not until a letter sent to the New York Post in August of 1994 that the more recent shootings were linked to the New York Zodiac attacks of 1990. In the letter, he claimed to be responsible for the recent string of attacks and taunted police for not finding him, saying, quote, Hi, I'm back, unquote. Guess who's back? <laughs> Bitch, I'm back. back. again. <laughs> Say it is back. <laughs> Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? I've created a monster because nobody wants to see Minnie no more. They want Seda. I'm chopped liver. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Minnie's got bars. We got to go do karaoke sometime. We do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm down. Next crime yeah. con, for sure. Next crime con, yeah. yeah. So at first, the authorities were not convinced that the letter was from the same attacker. But after further examination, police concluded that it was not a hoax. However, they were unsure if it was written by the same person or by someone who knew of the assaults. The messages included codes based on international maritime signal flags, which hmm. New York Post journalist Kieran Crowley decoded with the assistance of his father-in-law, a veteran of World War II cryptography and signals That's awesome. intelligence. Yeah. By the way, Kieran Crowley also wrote a book on Seda entitled Sleep My Little Dead, The True Story of the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find a link to it in the show notes. All right. So police briefly entertained the idea that the California Zodiac, who had never been apprehended, had just relocated to New York. But they quickly ruled that out through handwriting analysis and other differences in the cases. On June 18th, 1996, Seda, now 26 and still an unemployed high school dropout living with his mother and half-sister, obsessed with weaponry and the teachings of the Bible, became angry with his 17-year-old sister, Gladys Reyes, for associating with people he thought of as quote-unquote disreputable types. Yeah, she should be hanging out with murderers like you, right? Right? Right. <laughs> what an ass clown. Oh my God. You just, you just, I mean, the bar is like in heaven now. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she does it again, folks. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Neither can I. <laughs> Seda was mentally and physically abusive to Gladys. And during a confrontation with her and her boyfriend that day, Seda pulled out a weapon and began threatening the couple. While Gladys's boyfriend hid in the bedroom, she tried to escape through the front door. But Seda shot her in the buttocks, his own sister. Yeah. Wounded, but not incapacitated. She made her way to her neighbor's apartment where she called the police. So I watched the forensic files on this case and they said that he was mad because she let her boyfriend in the house and they were hanging out in her bedroom. So mm, that's what yeah. that's what mm. he was mad about. 
Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Culturally, uh, in Latinx cultures, it's a no-no. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you 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 basically can't hang out with boys until you're married to one. Oh, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he and he's a Bible thumper too. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Seda initiated a standoff with the police, barricading himself in the apartment, holding his sister's boyfriend hostage. What? Yep. During the three and a half hour standoff, he fired numerous rounds at police and refused to give up. He finally did surrender, and when he did, officers lowered a bucket from the roof of the building into which he was asked to put all of his weapons. So he placed 13 homemade zip guns in the bucket. 13. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's a lot. And Mm -hmm. a later search of his room revealed a cache of weaponry, religious books, crossbows, knives, and bomb-making manuals. Wow. Yeah. He had everything. The police also found two pipe bombs and enough materials to build at least nine more, Yikes. as well wow. as a collection of basketball trading cards. Oh, oh my God. Of course. Yeah. I mean, no. you got to have that. No. Right? <laughs> Not the yeah. basketball trading cards. <laughs> Were the Knicks good that year? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Thanks, Fjords. <laughs> Spiorts. 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 Yeah. Spiorts cards. <laughs> and one article said that he also had a collection of uh, trading cards on serial killers. Yeah. Wow. In the 90s, that was a thing? Uh, I, yeah. I mean, trading cards on serial killers? Like, what the actual fuck? Like, what kind of bubble gum would they include with those? <laughs> The people need to know. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, though, is that that a real thing? Or did he just make these himself? Or is that just media sensationalism striking again? And it really was just basketball trading cards. I, oh. I, I think it w- probably is a real thing. Um, you think so? Are weird. I yeah, mean, people now, are weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean uh, I know there are serial killer coloring books. Um, true. And it doesn't That's seem like a stretch. True. For there to be trading cards. Trading when cards, we were at CrimeCon, yeah. there were serial killer shot glasses yeah. um, mm-hmm. available uh, in the swags. But it just seems uh, interesting that in the 90s, this would have been a product available to anybody to buy. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 90s. Yeah, I can see it in the 90s. Now, if it was the 70s, then no, absolutely not. Because mm-hmm. they didn't even call them serial killers back then, I don't think. No. So, um, but the yeah. 90s. 90s I, I think it's possible yeah okay yeah it's kind of creepy though yeah yeah I, I'm not uh into that <laughs> yeah like me that. neither yeah I'm, yeah I'm more interested in just the psychology, psychology. of what's going yeah. on right so apparently speaking of psychology during the siege Seda also wore what appeared to be a helmet or a saucepan on his head so, and when okay, when I was okay, reading about that, I I just couldn't get out of my head the the chum bucket helmet from SpongeBob. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Only because oh you included God. the picture, but yes, that's what I had in my head. That's I was such like, a what? Funny image. I know. Just imagining him like yeah, this standoff and everything, and he's wearing a bucket on his head with a bucket on his head. Yeah, although um. So I, I don't know, because it was only in the one article and they lowered a bucket for him to put his stuff in. So I'm just oh, wondering if somebody mixed wasn't. it up and they yeah. thought, yeah, yeah. But I, oh, I just like okay. after that, I couldn't get it out of my head. Like Seda <laughs> wearing a chum, chum bucket. <laughs> They said uh, yeah. during this siege because you know he was being ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> like, come so on, don't, don't fact check again. us on that one. <laughs> yeah, don't fact check us on that one. But <laughs> it's possible, but maybe there was a bucket. Maybe <laughs> on there his wasn't. Head. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Anyway. I don't know. I just think chum bucket sounds like cum bucket. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> and you were, talking about, you were talking about Jackass at the beginning of the episode. I finally saw the Jackass 2 movie, and there's so much cum paraphernalia. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. That I, I mean, I love gross stuff, but it was, <laughs> it, it, it was, was too much even was, for you. It was extra. <laughs> it was too much even for yeah, me. Even so, for anyway, you. Wow. Uh, well, I shan't <laughs> be watching that. It's <laughs> quite the movie. Do it. Yeah. my tea and my knitting and I shall watch something else. <laughs> for Mother's Day, I made old Whitey watch it and he was like, oh my god really wow yeah yeah that's love anyway so detective sergeant (laughs) joseph herbert of the of the new york police one of the negotiators that had convinced Seda to surrender said quote he was mad at his sister because she was hanging around with the wrong people drug dealers troublemakers and he didn't like that unquote neighbors said that Seda absolutely hated drug dealers and used to tip off police officers assigned to the neighborhood about who was dealing drugs clutching a Bible, he would also preach to the dealers. Oh, that seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Herbert said, quote, he was very religious. He kept talking about Jesus and good and evil and salvation, but he never explained how he made his jump from a Roman Catholic upbringing to a Zodiac serial killer, unquote. Yeah, that is a uh, interesting... <laughs> inquiring minds do yeah. want to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the neighbors also said that he uh, had recently stood in the middle of the street and declared, quote, I'm going to start killing. I'm going to start killing because I'm not getting no sex, unquote. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just okay. for the record, this is not a valid reason to start killing. <laughs> just saying. Uh, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Also, definitely doesn't make the pussy wet to just no. declare <laughs> that you're going to start I'm killing start everybody. Killing, not getting no sex. Uh, no, okay. girl, you're still not getting any. <laughs> dried not. up like a desert. Yeah, dried up like a desert. Yeah. So following his arrest after the standoff, he was interviewed at the police station and asked to write down his statement of the events. Sita wrote in a fashion that Sergeant Herbert found strikingly similar to that found in the letters written by the New York Zodiac Killer, especially to the signature symbol used to sign off on his letters, which he claimed signified God. Sergeant Herbert had been involved in the intensive manhunt for the New York Zodiac Killer, so he was very familiar with his writings and recognized the handwriting and one of the zodiac symbols, an inverted cross topped by the number seven in three spots that jumped out of the page. When he saw the symbol, he said, quote, I nearly fell off my chair. I recognized what I believed to be the handwriting similar to handwriting that I had been studying for the last two years. I thought there was a strong possibility that this handwriting could be one in the same as the writing in some of the communications the zodiac had sent, unquote. And by the way, I heard an interview with this police officer uh, is in the show notes. Uh, Okay. Cool. What is the podcast? Police off the cuff. Um. Anyway, he immediately decided to run a check of Seda's fingerprints and found a match to the scene of the 1990 attack in Central Park and another match to a 1994 letter mailed to the New York Post. Handwriting analysis determined a strong similarity between Seda's statement and the anonymous letters. When the police confronted Seda with this evidence, a detective said he stared straight ahead and began to squirm in his chair. One detective told him, quote, you're going to be a lot better off 
off if you just tell us what happened, unquote. And it wasn't long before Seda began confessing to the Zodiac shootings from 1990 to 1993. As to the motive, an investigator who spoke on the condition of anonymity said, quote, Seda said he had to kill them because they were evil, unquote. The police also said that Seda, in his rambling statement, offered no insight into how he selected his victims or mapped out the attack locations, which police had deduced had astrological underpinnings. A detective said, quote, he doesn't respond to the whys or wherefores. He just got the feeling he'd go out and select the victim, unquote. Seven out of eight victims had a different Zodiac sign, though only one recalled a stranger who asked him about his birth date. Seda later claimed that he didn't select the victims by their signs, that it just worked out that way by chance, that they all had different signs. As to the 21-day pattern, he also claimed that was by chance, that he would just get an overwhelming urge to kill and respond to that urge. And responding to that urge, he'd go out and pick a victim at random. Seems highly unlikely, especially given that he seemed to know the signs of the victims when he wrote the letters to police, but I guess he had his reasons for insisting that it was all random and that he was only responding to urges. It actually makes me wonder if he was thinking ahead to the trial and already trying to manipulate his sentencing. Zing! Wow! I had not thought of that. I think, yeah, maybe he thought that if he said it was just spontaneous responses to urges, then he might be able to claim that it wasn't premeditated and he'd get a lesser charge. Wow. I know okay, he th- can he I have my edges back, please? Wow. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> wow. Yep. Again. She does it again. <laughs> Well, he also admitted that he had intended to use the bombs that he had made, but hadn't quite figured out when and where to use them. That's scary. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the 90s. I'm I'm just thinking Oklahoma City bombing was 1995. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they were very it, sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Right. So on June 19th, 1996, the solve was announced by Police Commissioner Howard Safir, who said that Seda was the man responsible for eight attacks, four of them fatal, between 1990 and 1993. Safir said, "Quote: We're confident that we have the individual involved in these crimes. The investigation is continuing, and we're not ruling anything out." Unquote. New York City Mayor at the time, uh, God. Rudolph Giuliani. (laughs) 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 Sorry, everybody, but he was the mayor at the time. And that guy said it was astounding that the Zodiac arrest was the third serial crime case cracked in a week coming on the heels of the arrest of an alleged rapist charged with attacking 11 women and the arrest of a drifter accused of brutally beating four women. He said, quote, this is the most extraordinary week they've had as far as I can remember, unquote. The 90s had been pretty crazy in New York for violent crime. A Utah tourist had been murdered in the subway while trying to protect his mother from a gang. And a prosecutor had been gunned down while buying donuts. Hmm. And someone called the Dart Man had blown homemade darts at over 50 women in Newtown, Manhattan before he was caught. (laughs) Wow. As he was shooting him in the butt with uh, with with these little homemade darts. Wow. Jesus. So... Yeah, just to name a few of the the people actively doing some really whack, really whack shit. Whack shit, yeah. To throw back to that (laughs) 90s term, (laughs) shit was whack. It's it's about 11 on the whack scale. Uh, (laughs) The greatest city in the world. world. (laughs) Is it, it though? Is it? Uh, 
<laughs> well, I, I was going to say, I guess it depends. It depends on who you ask. And I have a little culture corner. Okay, here we um, go. Hit us. Everybody buckle up. Oh, right. So Giuliani, among the among black and brown people, is one of the worst mayors and human beings in human history. Yeah. Um, he incorporated that um, broken windows policing. And under Giuliani, there was extreme harassment and police brutality. Didn't he start the stop and frisk? Yep. Mm. A stop and frisk. And just any black or brown young man on the street minding their business would potentially could potentially get um, harassed by uh, one of the police on, on Giuliani's force. And if you talk to any man who was growing up at that time in that, in that area, every one of them has a story of being pulled, pulled mm. over or harassed by police. Right. Um, but crime is also related to income inequality. And we've said this before. People don't, people aren't like robbing cause it's so fun or joining gangs cause it's so fun. Right. It's, it's cause, cause people are struggling and, mm-hmm. and they yeah. have a need. They're trying to get by. The more people are struggling, the more crime there is. Yeah. And New York is a very good example just because there's uh, uh, the have nots and, and the haves. There's such a huge disparity between the two mm. and crime is subjective. So yeah. Giuliani implemented this broken windows policing and criminalized acts that are only criminal depending on who you ask. Like if we all smoked weed today in New York, we wouldn't go to jail. But if we did that 10 years ago, we would all go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Loitering um, because there are no public parks or benches, that kind of shit. And right. 150 years ago, just going to say this, me reading this script would have been a crime. Yeah, so shit. just something to think about. Right. Um, but anyway, Sergeant Herbert said he had no time for celebration after his big break, which was recognizing the handwriting on the note. He said, quote, I'm excited a little. Oh, I peed a little, but I'll be honest (laughs) with you. I knew it was just the beginning of a lot of work. Suspicions are one thing. Proof positive is quite another. And I'm still here in the same clothes, you know, 24 hours later, unquote. Yeah. Wow. That was like multiple truth bombs hitting like you, you blew her mind. That was yes. Oh my god! Yeah. Her brain is on the floor. Give her yeah. a second to yeah. pick it up. It's like yeah, you know, like when you said you know it, it was just when you, especially when you said 150 years ago, me reading this script would have been a crime. Like oh shit, that's just fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, really, it comes down no, to up. no. It's acts, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are, certain acts yep. are criminalized, but we all agree yep. certain acts yeah. are very There's bad, a, like yeah. murder, <laughs> like murder. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. But everything else uh, and rape too. But everything mm-hmm. else, it just depends on who you ask and who's in charge. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That is very, very true. Uh, so. There was a lot of work being done um, at the time trying to uh, get DNA working on on things in the 90s. Uh, we talked about DNA a lot. Right. Um, and <laughs> Seda's, yeah, it's good stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So oh, yeah. Seda's DNA was, was actually later found on the envelope flap of the letter sent to the New York Post. Oh, and he the, it? Yeah, he licked it. Yeah. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Uh, the stamp affixed <laughs> ironically said love on it, which, which is kind yeah. of fun. Interessante. <laughs> yes. Wow. So forensic <laughs> investigators were also able to match some of the bullets retrieved from the victims to say to zip gun by looking at them microscopically and comparing tool marks. Well, so now it's time to get on into the trial. 
What's the what, Beth? Well, on June 21st, 1996, Seda was arraigned in the criminal court in Queens and ordered held without bail. He was formally charged with fatally shooting two men, wounding a third and stabbing a woman to death. That was Patricia Fonte, who you might recall had been stabbed over a hundred times. Plus seven counts of weapons possession. Separately, he was also charged with the attempted murder of his sister Gladys, as well as 13 officers, two paramedics, a hostage, and an onlooker during the police standoff that he had initiated. He pleaded not guilty to the charges related to the standoff. His trial, held at the state Supreme Court in Queens, didn't begin until almost two years later on May 14, 1998. The case was prosecuted by Assistant District Attorneys Robert Masters and Raymond Shear. The prosecution presented the testimony of 45 witnesses and introduced 150 mm. pieces of evidence. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. At the start of the trial, once he was seated at the defense table, he repeatedly shouted out at the judge, alternately demanding a new lawyer and screaming that he did not want to be in court. <laughs> I don't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there. Except me. Pick me for jury duty, please. <laughs> he also yelled at his lawyers, David Bard and John Wallenstein, when they tried to quiet him. Shh. <laughs> It's okay, baby. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Give him a hard candy. Give him a butterscotch. <laughs> when Justice Robert J. Hanafy ignored his outbursts, he said, quote, I feel like I'm invisible. Get me out of here. I'm losing my mind. I don't know what's going on here, unquote. At one point, he said, quote, yo, judge, judge, hello. Are you listening to me or what, unquote. <laughs> Or what? (laughs) Or what? (laughs) Or what? By the way, if you ever want to piss off a narcissist, the most effective way is to ignore them. Oh, they cannot deal with it. Don't like that. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Uh, (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) When the judge asked to no one in particular, quote, do we have a gag somewhere we can put on him? Unquote. Seda shouted, quote, I don't need no gag. I want out of here, unquote. (laughs) Even after a recess to consult with his lawyers, he persisted. But he did calm down once the jury filed into the courtroom. In an opening argument that lasted longer than an hour, ADA Masters detailed each of Seda's crimes. He mapped out a timeline of shootings that started in March 1990, stopped after June 1990, and then began again in August 1992 and lasted until October. 1993. Masters described Seda as a serial killer who stalked only the weak, the elderly, the homeless, and those with drug and alcohol problems. He said, quote, he did these things for his own violent, sick reasons and out of sheer cowardice, unquote, stating that his motive was, quote, simply that he was angry, angry because he was expelled from school, because he had tried to join the army, but he was rejected, unquote. John Wallenstein, one of Seda's court-appointed lawyers, stressed to the jury that To gain a conviction, the prosecutors must prove that Seda was guilty of all crimes committed by the Zodiac. He said, quote, if you have doubts as to any of these acts, then that blows the whole case out of the water. This is all or nothing, unquote. He also cast doubt on Seda's confession, stating that Seda wrote and signed the confession to the shooting of his half-sister, but the confession to the Zodiac crimes was written by police officers. Mm. Wallenstein said, quote, he didn't write it, the police did. It's up to you to determine. Did he tell the police or did the police tell him? Unquote. Well, I think people assume that police are credible. 
and they're not a lot of times. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes that's they true. Are. That's true. Sometimes they are. Yeah. In this case, I think, yeah, I don't know. But regardless, I think, yeah, he definitely did it. He did it. Oh, yes. <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so he also said that although the fingerprints and DNA evidence may link Mr. Seda to the letters, they do not directly link him to the crimes, which... I guess it's kind of true, actually. Yeah, um, quote, but there's a lot uh, yeah. of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, what yeah, a coincidence? Like, yeah, this is very highly coincidental. That sure. He would know yeah. when these happened and sent the letters and all of that. Yeah. yeah. So he said, quote, it only proves that he at one time touched the letter. It doesn't prove that he fired the shots, unquote. As to the outbursts in court, he attributed those to lack of sleep. It was a good effort by Wallenstein, but ultimately it did not work. And after a six-week trial on June 24th, 1998, Seda was found guilty of killing three people and wounding one person in Queens between 1990 and 1993. At least five jurors wept as the jury was polled. Seda displayed no emotion. Seda's mother, Gladys, sat quietly in the last row of the courtroom as the verdict was read against her son, who, prosecutors said, chose his victims at random, looking for vulnerable people who could not fight back. ADA Masters said that the jury's emotional outpouring was probably due to a great sense of relief. Quote, but I think the jurors also were very absorbed in the sadness of the victims, and I think it was a very difficult thing for them to call a human being just about the worst thing that you can call him, a serial killer, unquote. Seda apparently took the verdict well, only saying that he wished he'd been found not guilty of something. He was convicted of 17 crimes involving the four victims, including murder, assault, and criminal possession of a weapon. It's such a childish complaint. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they just found me not guilty of one thing. Something. Just this one thing. Just one. Can I just be not guilty of something? (laughs) No, you can't. (laughs) Guilty. Seda's lawyer, Mr. Wallenstein, said, quote, The jurors indicated that they really analyzed everything and essentially looked for ways to find reasonable doubt and to find him innocent if they could. But they were obviously unable to do so, unquote. That's from his lawyer. Yeah, yeah. that's from his that's lawyer. That's nuts. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I think, yeah, I think he was trying to give him props. It's like, you know, like, they really tried, but, you know. Yeah. And for, but for, it's- for a court-appointed lawyer, this Wallenstein, he's good. Yeah, he was good. The arguments that he presented were really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just not enough. Yeah, because yeah. the, the the dude was guilty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He also said that he was not surprised by the verdict. Um, quote, we felt that the jury took the time to analyze everything, but there was so much evidence. They had everything but an eyewitness. And in the end, there's only so much you can do with that. Unquote. True that. Yeah. The other ADA, Raymond Shear, who also prosecuted the case, spoke of the mountain of evidence that was presented to the jury during the trial. Quote, I think like the police officers who were involved in the case, the jurors are somehow going to be affected by this case for the rest of their lives. Unquote. Um, Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Seda tried to play the religion card during his sentencing, telling the judge that he had found religion. Didn't he already find religion? Uh, Yeah, found it again. Now he really found it and was a reformed person. But the judge told him he should seek out the prison chaplain to confess his sins and turn his life around. <laughs> Burn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Good one, judge. <laughs> 
virtual high five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On July 22nd, 1998, Justice Robert Hanafi sentenced Seda to 83 and one third years to life in prison for murdering three people and wounding one other. In a separate trial, he was also convicted of the attempted murders and sentenced to an additional 152 and a half years. Mm. He won't be getting out of prison anytime soon. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. All right. Yeah. So now we're going to get into where are they now? Well, I'll tell you. So Seda is currently incarcerated at Clinton Correctional Facility, the prison in Deanamora, New York, where he reads the Bible daily and quotes scripture to his fellow inmates. Oh, yay. Mm, yeah. Uh, after being arrested, he made several attempts to reconcile with his sister, Gladys. I'm sorry I shot you in the ass, Gladys. Can we be friends again? But he, she refused his calls. The only family member or friend who has ever visited him in the maximum security prison is his mother. Most of the Zodiac's living victims still suffer physically and psychologically from the attacks. Some, like Larry Parham, a devout Christian, have forgiven Seda for what he did. Others, like Jermaine Montanestro, refuse to discuss the case. Mario Orozco still lives in the East New York and does not let fear stop him from walking the streets or enjoying the company of friends. In prison, Seda began a sexual affair with Cynthia China Blast, um, a.k.a. Luis Morales, a transgender person who identifies as female and is allegedly a member of the Latin Kings gang. Blast was serving a sentence for gang-related murder. And we'll be talking more about Blast on a future episode of Fruit Loops, so we won't get into that now. Ooh, okay. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to save that one for later. All <laughs> right. So now we're going to get into our takeaways and what we think may have made Say the Snap. What do you got for us, Beth? Well, it seems to me like there definitely were some mental health issues going on. Mm -hmm. Seda was a loner and had difficulty connecting with other people from a very young age. This seems to me to be what fed his anger, like incels. He's screaming mm -hmm. in the streets that he's going to kill because, quote, I'm not getting no sex, unquote. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so he lashed out. And this mm -hmm. is, again, not an excuse, but an explanation. Certainly. Something else that's interesting to me was uh, how he clung to the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yet he thought it was okay to kill people. And yeah. I'm always a little suspicious of people who are super duper religious. Um, uh -huh. Many of them, not all of them. Uh, but uh, too many <laughs> use the Bible as a tool to beat other people with, but have no real understanding of the religion. Like mm. they're policing other people's behavior, like Seda did with his sister Gladys. Mm -hmm. They study the rules, but they don't really get anything else out of it. Like yeah. mm, people who are on diets trying to force themselves to stick to a rigid plan, but mm -hmm. it's not possible to keep to it if you don't address the underlying issues or, you know, 
think about it other than what just a surface it it's just a surface solution yeah um he definitely needed help with his mental health um mm-hmm. but it was the 90s he was living in poverty and our country sucks at addressing mental health issues so it yeah. sure does zero yeah. stars united states yeah. uh, <laughs> do not do recommend, not recommend. <laughs> nope. unsubscribe yeah <laughs> so um i agree uh beth uh and uh, what came to my mind is uh Minnie, you were absolutely right on um what did you call it when you failure mcfailerson failure killer yeah failure killer yes i like that one uh because he failed at school he failed with his attempts to join the army and then when he was out of options he lashed out at everyone yeah um and you know, poverty and racism circumstances prevented, I think, um, him from maybe um, getting the help that he needed or yeah. developing. Yeah. Um, at one point, we mentioned that his mom wouldn't let him play outside. And he he didn't really have an ability to thrive and found solace in books. And per- he was pursuing this dream of the military, but it failed. Um, and I, <laughs> this is so stupid, but I dreamed I wanted to be Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. And then <laughs> I realized I wasn't Catholic. So I pursued my next dream of starting a podcast about true crime. And for many poor people and people of color, the military is a legitimate way to get out the mud. And he lost that. Right. And it was like a death of a dream. And he believed yeah. it in a really fucked up way. Right. Um, yeah. He was also really depressed and essentially had nothing to live for and nothing yeah. to love. Yeah. Um, and I was really disgusted by some of the forensic experts who weighed in on the case um, and the judge. They described him as like an angry animal. Mm-hmm. And only uh, it seems to me that uh, white men who are on trial for horrible things or do horrible things are not described in the same way. Right. No. right. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Hurt people hurt other people. Also about his victims. I'm thinking about ableism and poverty and lack of resources. All of his victims were really vulnerable in vulnerable positions. Right. Uh, just something I noted. And yeah. Rest did it, didn't um, in that podcast you listened to. Uh, Mm -hmm. Phil Chalmers Chalmers, didn't didn't he say that he looked specifically specifically yeah people who Mm -hmm. were uh what's the word I'm looking for couldn't run away yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah he could overpower Uh uh-huh um so just rest in power to all the victims um and I imagine that the entire community was rattled by this case at the time um and I imagine there might have been a collective trauma not only because of the murders that were going on but because of the police response that also made these communities of color and these poor communities more vulnerable I didn't even um, think about that intervention yeah Uh, and uh i feel empathy for adults say that um but i wonder if like reform is even possible for somebody like him in prison um you know because prisoners make things like underwear and license plates and (laughs) they um you know they uh uh fight fires in california and really oh oh, yeah 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 yeah, some incarcerated people you know help um, uh, train animals for um, therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder if there's some sort of skill he could use his skills um, to contribute, you know, from behind to bars. the community, yeah, to the yeah. community in mm-hmm. some way, make him feel he, connected. It, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. And maybe it's just a pipe dream. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, those are my thoughts. What do you got, Minnie? So many different thoughts that kind of go in different directions. But um, one thing I was thinking of 
when you were talking is uh, the 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 fact that he chose the people who were uh you know inebriated or uh needed a cane or um, vulnerable in some way vulnerable yeah. in some way mm-hmm. uh i wonder if in some ways he was ki- he was sort of uh, symbolically killing that part of himself that he saw oh, as a huge yeah. failure and vulnerable and unable to do the things that he wanted to do right wow okay Jesus Christ, I've completely bawled. My jaw is on the floor. <laughs> There's nothing left, Minnie. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That yeah. is an excellent point. Wow. And it didn't really hit me until I was listening to you and I was like, you know, I wonder if something like that was going on. Yeah, in his head, it's very, very you possible. Know? Yeah, killing mm-hmm. off uh, himself. Yes. Yeah. And it was this, it's it's kind of the same with the religion thing. Like so he's very clinging to um the righteous. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And in some ways maybe he kind of saw himself as a, a what do you call the the angels that um a vengeance angel or whatever. Right, um, right. Isn't there uh-huh. something like that in the Bible? I have to admit, I have not read the Bible. Um, I either. It's a very long book. <laughs> I know. I tried to. I could not get through Genesis. I'm like, really? 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 Uh, and I keep so meaning and to so try to again. So but and yeah, so this, and they had so 300 and so, children yeah. and they lived for 600 years. I'm like, no, they didn't. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So I tried to read it. But yeah, I know I, I'm, I've heard this alluded to in other shows and other things. So I don't know if it's actually in the Bible, but it's like some, like an angel of death or angel of vengeance, an avenging angel. You know, I wonder if he saw himself in that way. And so he had a sort of a a polarity to his self identity in Mm -hmm. which case he was trying to cut out the vulnerable failing part of himself and Ah. doing that symbolically by killing people who, symbolized the hated parts of himself or something you know yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah oh my or, gosh or that if he, he saw them he would just get really angry and, yeah which yeah. would explain why he stabbed um that patricia, one lady the woman yeah patricia, yeah. Yeah. patricia uh 100 oh, times 100 because times, that's yeah. that's rage yeah that's like, he was that's not yeah that's, that's not, not like normal <laughs> i forgot my gun so i'm going to use a knife instead that's that's like full on that's close contact rage, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like it's uh, intimate, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 So Absolutely. I don't know. Oh, so something about her because because she was depressed. Right. And you were just talking about right. him being depressed. Yes. And maybe he just hated that feeling in himself. And when he saw it in her, he just wanted to kill it. You know. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm blown away. I, I mean, I just found your wig you're up here speaking, in Canada. You're, yeah, you're speaking. You're speaking to my ghost. My my body is my body is on the floor, and my spirit has left the building. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. Wow. That your hot takes, spicy hot takes. I love them all. Oh, uh, thank you. Wow. That was incredible. <laughs> Woo! Well, uh, do you have any more, or should we? Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. I think, yeah, I think that was everything I was thinking of. Because initially, I just thought of him as just your run-of-the-mill sociopath, and he was just born to kill, and blah blah blah. But you know, now that we've been talking about it, I'm like, you know, I think this is more, way more complicated than just that. So, mm, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. See, the context matters. And it does. Uh, even though Heriberto Seda was a terrible human being, um, this story has a lot of layers. So mm-hmm. I'm glad it we... It does. It really does. Yeah. And, and we can always learn things from these stories. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So uh, now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. So... If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. So we just came back from CrimeCon and I cannot wait to get my hands on one of those damsel in defense tasers <laughs> and it was really cool we got to do a demonstration of it and the taser has like the safety mechanism so it can't be turned on you how does that work sorry i didn't i didn't get to play with the taser so how does that work that it can't be turned on you so um okay i don't remember exactly but there's some there's sort of a key. wrist there's a wrist uh, band it goes on your wrist Mm-hmm. And there's a key in the taser. So if somebody tries to take it from you, the key pops oh, out. Oh, gotcha. And it can't, can't turn So it on. can't activate. Got right. it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. And um, so it's a woman-owned company. And um, the tasers are like $90, but they have a lifetime warranty. Wow. So if it stops working or you're robbed or, you know, somebody tries to use it on you and then runs away, um, you can contact the company and get and they'll replace it. No problem. Yeah. Um, full, full disclosure, it does appear to be a multi-level marketing company, but it does look like a really cool thing. And I know I want one. So okay. <laughs> um, I will put a link in the show notes for okay, cool. Damsel in Defense Tasers. Um, and now it's shout out time where we shout out any content by or about any marginalized or othered groups of folks or any true crime goodies. Um, another crime got goodie, two for one. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Crimes of the East is a true crime podcast by a BIPOC woman about cases from India and South Asia. Um, so get that wherever you get your podcasts. What do you got, Beth? Well, uh, this is a true crime goodie because it's about white people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's fascinating. Okay. It's a two-part docuseries on HBO called Undercurrent, the Disappearance of Kim Vall. It's the mm. story of a, a Swedish freelance journalist named Kim Vall who mm-hmm. took a ride in a homemade submarine with the intent of interviewing the owner, uh, Danish entrepreneur Peter Madsen. Mm-hmm. But she never returned. Uh, but guess what? who did return? Who? Peter Madsen. What? They well, went out and that interesting. Yeah. yeah. This case has everything submarines. Yeah. Journalists, murder, <laughs> disappearance of a woman. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> it's, it's a wild story. I I was riveted. Yeah. Okay. And two two parts is not too much of a commitment. no. It's not not Mm-mm. too bad. Yeah. I I kind of wish there was more. I mean, there probably wasn't more to to say, but I just mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. I, that's horrible to say about a <laughs> murder documentary, but. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Uh, okay. Uh and um Minnie, do you have any um goodies? Shout outs or recommendations? Shout outs um, this week? Well I did try I, I decided to do the free trial of the Magellan TV that was oh, advertising cool. at the um CrimeCon. Yeah, yeah. That place we were at. Yeah, that yeah. Was- <laughs> 
<laughs> so they actually work in Canada as well as the oh, U.S. Oh, nice. And so Whatever. I have a, a free trial that I can use in, until the 20th. Um, if I don't cancel it by then, then I then I um, pay for it. But um, it's it's pretty cheap. It's like 60 bucks a year. Um, oh, wow. That is cheap. And they cheap. get a bunch of documentaries. I was talking to them uh, when we were there, and they said one of the people who used to do the Discovery Channel is now with oh, them. Because I was mentioning, nice. I was like, yeah, I used to love the Discovery Channel, but then they got all weird, and they're like, oh, well, that's cool because we have the person from the Discovery Channel with us now. I'm like, Oh, sweet. Oh, right. So, yeah. So they have a bunch of uh, documentaries. Um, a lot of it is, uh, is true crime, but they also have like stuff that I like, like um, natural science and, and um, mm. history and uh, culture and, and stuff like that. So oh. if you want to check it out, it's on uh, MagellanTV.com. Oh, um, right. And you can cool. try it out. Yeah. All right. So that is Magellan TV, MagellanTV.com, and uh, an HBO program. Uh, called Undercurrent, The Disappearance of Kim Val. It's with a W, y'all. And uh, <laughs> Crimes from the East, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my All gosh, right. you guys, this was so fun. Greg is fun. gone, spirit is here, but uh, <laughs> that's it for today. Where can the people find us? Beth. Our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. Join our discussion group on Facebook at Fruit Loops Pod Discussion. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App or you can become a monthly patron through Patreon. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our website. All of the things she said are correct. Now, this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered they are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee?
Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, And I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.